Welcome, 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 everybody. It is the Daily News right here on Canadian Football Perspective. We are brought to you, of course, by Fox 40. Start your season off right with products from our good friends over at Fox 40. Outfit your coaching staff with custom logoed Fox 40 whistles, gear, coaching boards, and more. Visit fox40shop.com. Use the code CFP15 at checkout for 15% off of your entire order. Sorry, I haven't posted any podcasts in the last week or so. Uh, I've been trying to figure out how to speak <laughs> with nice. with a, a thing attached to my teeth as a professional broadcaster. <laughs> not a great not a great feeling. Um, not a great move. <laughs> no, well, you know what it was, honestly? I was trying to get this done in the offseason, and they, they wouldn't get me in. I couldn't find somebody that wanted to give me the right kind of treatment plan and all the rest. I got Invisalign. Okay, and it took me a, a long enough amount of time to get this done properly by somebody that I trust. The long-term payoff is good. The problem is I have this thing for the next year. When I'm calling games, I just take the trays out. They're just trays you pop in, you pop out, whatever. I got 29 trays times every two weeks you swap them out. That's all good and dandy. But um, the things they put on your teeth when you do Invisalign that the trays actually like click into, I was laying back in the orthodontist chair like a week and a half ago. This is like three days before I called the Ottawa BC game last Thursday. I'm laying back. Ooh, high risk. I, high yeah. risk maneuver there. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm feeling the things go onto my teeth. And then I'm like, hmm, this seems more aggressive than I was planning. And then <laughs> at the at the end, I sat up in the chair and she's like, okay, you can sit up and just like take a look and you know move your tongue around and feel what it feels like. And I, and it, I took like one swipe of the tongue on the front of my teeth. And I was just that Will Arnett uh, <laughs> meme. It's just him going, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I could just feel it. So anyways. My career uh, is over. <laughs> well, for a year. But the problem is I can't take a year off because I very much like calling football games and doing podcasts. So this is all a long-winded way of me saying if you don't like the sound of me with the trays in, I apologize on all future CFP podcasts until July 25th of 2023. That is my end date when I'm supposed to get everything out and be done with all of this mess. The second thing that this is all for, Invisalign. If you do not sponsor me, I will come to, I will come to your house and kill you with my bare hands. Okay? You <laughs> say, I don't want that on this. No, I don't want that. No, because they probably have powerful people, powerful places. I don't that's, want any of that. That's true. We don't know who Invisalign is associated with, but, no, uh, but but we do know that they make a great product and we would love to share it with all. It's actually like not invasive now that it's in. It's just that oh, I'm here getting, we go. See, doing the ad read already. I'm getting used to it. Invisalign. It's not invasive. <laughs> it's not going to damage you like braces and less tension in the gums. It's actually healthier for you than brushing every day. I don't know. Uh, we'll figure out something. But anyways, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been a little bit weird getting used to them and all the rest. So hopefully uh, I get used to it and it's not as obvious. You, Mike, you were laughing before we started because I'm popping the trays and you're like, the hell is that? Yeah, what is going on? Hey, hey, but you know what? You got to do what you got to do. And I'm all for it. If you want to get those teeth straight, then you got to find a way. And, and, and there's a part of it that was very like superficial. I want these so that I have like yeah. a, a nice smile. But it was also the fact that like, I'm Scottish. Instagram. Oh, no, but it's like, I'm Scottish. And it's like, if I don't try to like maintain my teeth, these things will fall out of my head in 30 years, all <laughs> twisted and ratchet and just being like terrible. Like a bear trap in there. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, nobody <laughs> nobody wants to see that. So uh, yeah, this is more of a maintenance program than a, an upgrade, I would say, than anything else. But uh, we 
have a huge upgrade to the Daily News podcast today. You got a beautiful get when it comes to uh, a guest that came on the show with us. Who do you got? Yeah, so I uh, got you know a good friend of mine, teammate Luke Tasker. The reason I wanted to get him too is, you know, he's kind of the transition between the plan to what I'm doing now with the podcast with yourself, and then also what you're doing professionally broadcasting. And mm-hmm. you know, he kind of has that coverage of all topics throughout those ranges. And I mean, he was a fantastic player. Everybody knows him uh, with Hamilton. You know, first down machine. Uh, and really became good friends with them. So I wanted to get him on because, first of all, we would have so many battles on practice. Like, and, and it was one of those things where, you know, there's certain people you can talk to about football and playing, and then there's certain people that you can talk to to try to out-football them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And try to say, yeah, I know more football than you. No, I know more football than you. And those are and, – and it's not the way it sounds. Those are the conversations that are – absolutely exciting to be in right to be you know no no tell me what you think we should do here and i'll be like no i think we should do this here and that's where you bounce off those ideas right and right you know he's one of those guys that all day every day during practice during meetings during road trips we'd be talking about stuff like that it was just you could tell he had a passion for it he has a passion for football and i needed to get him on because it's you know and you'll see what you know we just recorded it with him and he was fantastic. The way he breaks things down, the way he looks at things, it, you know, it was awesome. Yeah, I agree. He, he has long been one of my favorite people, not just in football, but just one of my favorite people. Like it's right. He, he's, he's so enjoyable to be around. He has a fantastic sense of humor. Um, you know, I, I don't have a bad thing to say about the guy playing days, media days. Otherwise, I'm absolutely going to steal him from the Ticats Audio Network for <laughs> for the CFL and TSM. Like, I'm yeah. I'm going to do that. I'm going to force him into the booth. Even if we go three-man booth with me, Dwayne, and him, I don't give a damn. Uh, right. Might be too Just much have offense. people that talk football in there. Yeah, it was too <sighs> much offense. It, right? <laughs> but it's... I do, I do love being around Luke and talking to him. So it was fantastic. Just before we get to that, though, I just thought of this right now. I probably should have played it for him before. Hopefully he'll listen to a little bit of this and get a laugh out of it. Seven years ago, I entered, because in this interview, we get into a little bit of his relationship with his dad broadcasting and kind of how we got into the industry. I interviewed Steve Tasker at McMaster University after a Ticats preseason game. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's still up on YouTube. And I, I'm, just because I have this weird lisp, I'm just thinking about me when I was younger. And then my brain connected the dots of me when I was younger and the name Tasker. And I was like, didn't I talk to Steve? I'm like, oh yeah, it's right here. Let's listen to like the opening of this and just see how awkward and clumsy I am seven years ago when I'm starting to figure out how to do broadcasting. Because I, I, would, I would be intrigued to see what this sounds like. I haven't listened to this in forever and I'm kind of scared, but I'm also kind of intrigued. This is your chance to laugh at me out there. Okay, Mike, here we go. Wixie. already did that. Fun afternoon being here in Hamilton, uh, getting away and enjoying uh, watching your son play, obviously. Yeah, it was great. It was, you know, I love it that the season starts so early and I can get a chance to come up before the NFL swings into gear and, and be at every home game. And actually, some of the, if there's a game in Toronto, we'll be there as well. And we'll be there Thursday. And, um, loved watching. They look good. They had a slow start. And, uh, you know, they offensively, they... You know, Ken Austin and Tommy Condell called a really nice game in the second half, and uh, they got some decisions to make. Good players coming up. It was, it was, I was impressed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's just me. I'm going to go, yeah, absolutely, 15 times because I have nothing to say. Uh, I was a little <laughs> bit starstruck because I had a Steve Tasker jersey when I was a kid. I went out for Halloween as Steve Tasker. 
Uh, that's how you know you're a real Bills lifer. But <laughs> it's always intrigued me, has it not, you, Mike? How in the hell did Steve's vocal cords get put into Luke's chest? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the same dude. Exact- I know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's insane. And to see the, you know, the path that Luke. And, you know, it was, it was really cool because as Luke was going on, like, you know, there wasn't much mention of his dad. Yeah. Like playing all that kind of stuff. And I mean, he was such a good player for us. He's a first down machine. And, you know, there wasn't much mention of his dad and he kind of understood who his dad was. If you asked him about it, he'd talk about him. It wasn't like he was, you know, not wanting to talk about it, but he just was, you know, making his own path. And it was, it was cool to see because it's like, like this guy, this guy could be on top of the world right now, but then he goes to Cornell and he's smartest man in the world and, and stuff like that. Right. But I mean, the other thing too, that I, I appreciate about Luke and, and kind of the way, you know, some guys do it with the retirement type stuff is he's just kind of faded to black. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I always felt that the, the retirement thing, like here's me, I'm retiring. Look, I'm done retiring. Unless you're, you know, a, a Henry Burris, somebody that's going to go in the hall of fame. I always thought it was just kind of an ego type thing. You know what I mean? Maybe I can get a couple more likes, a couple retweets, a couple yeah. thanks from the, but I, I always appreciated that from Luke, you know what I mean? And then next thing you know, he pops up and he's calling games. And everybody's like, Hey, he could probably still catch, you know, another <laughs> yeah. thousand yards out on the field right now, but he's calling the games and that's pretty cool. That was the same with Sinopoli. I asked him why he didn't do retirement. Although he's like, I didn't want like a tour. Like I didn't want to be recognized right. in every stadium as like, I'm going out kind of thing. And it's, it, but that's why, I think CFL fans have come to adore those guys, whether it be Task or Sinopoli. Otherwise, is that the lack of ego? Like they just they right. go they go in, they do it, and they exit the game the same way that they played it, with just a total lack of ego in all of those ways. But uh, yeah, I do I do love the idea that Luke is embracing the next chapter of his life because there are players that I've talked to, and like you and I have even talked about this, not just your situation, but others, where it's like it's difficult. Like you don't know where you're going. You feel uneasy. It brings you a lot of stress because you're, you're yearning for one thing, but you're working for another and you aren't really sure what that path is going to take. And, um, Luke is very secure in his path as he should be as a guy who has a lot of trust and faith in himself, where you just kind of get that sense that it's almost like I wrote an article about Trey Ford and, uh, and Nathan Rourke this morning on CFL.ca that in that article, I basically said, Trey Ford has this sense of calm about him. He might not be the world's greatest quarterback in the CFL right now, but you can tell that everything he does on the field, he's just kind of shrugging and being like, well, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like the, that's this the is... best, that's the best way to be as a player is right. you know, because if you get way too excited about things, then what's going to happen is when something goes bad, you're going to get way too bummed out about it. Right. And it's like this weird roller coaster where it's like, you just kind of have to stay around here. Like you can have highs, you can have lows and, right. you know, get excited for when good plays happen, but then it's got to be like, boom, snap into it. Okay. Yeah. Right back into and, it. And Luke was never, Oh, I don't know. Throwing water bottles at offensive linemen. Uh, for oh, example, chill for- out, <laughs> chill out. I just say, no, I know that, that was, that was a funny one though. I did. I, Cause I was like, I haven't seen that in Hamilton with speedy, but I was like, I've seen times where they've been grumpy on the bench. I'm like, cause that's football. You're going to get frustrated sometimes, but uh, the point I'm making here about bringing up Trey and how he's so comfortable in his own skin is that like, you get the sense that wherever Luke goes in his life, it's where he's supposed to be. And he's just kind of, mm-hmm. he's along for the ride and he's happy being able to do meaningful work and, 
and uh, and be around people and have great conversations. So, uh, well, let's stop talking about it. Yeah, them maybe we'll get, let's out of the get way. to them because yeah, I, I was excited for this one, and and you'll see why. And he's good to have on. Uh, we'll leave you as we transition into the interview with my call of Luke Tasker getting hit by Anthony Chiaffi, uh, in oh, which yeah, in, in which I totally lost my mind and went complete Hamilton Homer, which will bring things full circle from our conversation here. Enjoy the interview with Luke Tasker on the Daily News. Three to the boundary, two to the field. Masoli against a four-man rush, pumps, steps forward the pocket, loads it up, looks for Tasker, and he'll miss! Oh. And it's a headshot from Chiaffi, 35 yards down the field, and Tasker gets up and talks smack just like he should. He should. What a complete dirtbag move by Anthony Chiaffi <laughs> over the middle. You could see it coming from 20 yards away. Major, major foul. Unnecessary roughness. Ottawa oh number 24. God. What a complete dirtbag move by Giovanni. Automatic first down. What a headshot. Dirtbag move, that's which two he or should. Three steps after the ball is clearly overthrown. That's Tasker's suspension worthy. Yeah, that's terrible. That's a suspension <laughs> for Anthony Chiaffi on that play. They've suspended Kyrie Bear this season for less. Yeah, not good. And not only that. <laughs> terrible play. Was this Ty Cat's audio? This is your attempt right now? We get something going on here. All right, Marsh, uh, listen, we got probably the smartest guy we can get yep. on this podcast. Cornell, baby. Cornell, yeah, Ivy League. Ivy League All-Canadian <laughs> too, Luke? Is that true? Is this a true story? Ivy League All-Canadian? That would be that, that would be an accomplishment. <laughs> wow. Is there is that does that yeah. exist? <laughs> Did you get that? <laughs> you might be the first ever. But uh, I'll uh I think I was all American at some point. Oh, were you all, were you a uh, academic all American while you were there? Uh, well, that's what, that's a probably, probably a no there. My <laughs> <laughs> the old communications major, uh, you know, I was just, I was just cruising by here. <laughs> well, listen, I appreciate you coming on here. I was excited to get you on because, you know, you're kind of uh, a mix between Marsh and I in the sense of what you're doing right now yeah. the old the old player the broadcast three of us kind of do have a similar facial profile as well like no, we're kind of a blend I, of each I, other but i feel look. like i'm i just looking at like a venn diagram right now of like <laughs> recent player ex player media guy me yeah. with mike yeah. <laughs> so what's exactly. what's right in the middle of all yeah. of this that's what we got to figure out but man i i, I want to thank you for hopping on here i know uh you know we played together a long time we got close um, but now you're doing the whole media stuff and, you know, I guess let's start there is, is how did you get into that? And, you know, why, why that over really anything else that you really could have done with the tie cats and, and, and forward. Well, thanks for having me on guys. This is awesome. I love, uh, I love chatting with, uh, with, uh, friends about football or what, or anything else. And the smartest guy that you can have on your podcast is, is, has the podcast named after him. Cause Mike Daly <laughs> is the, is the all-time quarterback killer, man. The absolute, uh, the absolute, uh, sniper from the defensive backfield. And, uh, no, I, I, I always loved you. You know this, Mike, and I've told you uh, many times. But I, I, I think I think the world of you as a football player uh, and as a person. So I'm I'm loving that you're a part of the Tie Cats Audio Network as well, and kind of uh, in the mix with uh, with this season for the Tie Cats in, in your new role. And uh, to answer your question, um, I I wasn't I didn't necessarily think of pursuing sports media uh, when I was playing. Uh, I did, however kind of know that I wasn't, wasn't keen on pursuing a coaching career really. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it, uh, that's just not, not the direction that I was kind of heading in and didn't really think that I was going to have an interest in sort of the, the, the lifestyle demands, you know, of a coaching career. But when the Ticats audio network got up and going prior to the 2021 season, uh, uh, the team reached out to me to see if I was interested in doing the color commentary, comment, uh, commenting for the games. And of all the, of all the sports media uh, avenues, that is, that's something I, I kind of felt like I would enjoy, uh, mm-hmm. be able to learn quickly and, and hopefully be good at. Uh, my dad obviously did that in the, after his playing days in the NFL, he did that with CBS for 20 some seasons and he's still uh, involved with the Bills sports media and a lot of, a lot of capacities, but the, the, the color part of the game is very, very fun and fast moving. And the challenge is, or what makes it enjoyable is you get to watch a football play, but you don't break it down. Like Mike, when we were in a meeting room and you can literally pause it and talk about that for half an hour. If you, if there's, yeah. if there was something great, you've got to figure out, you got 12 seconds to get a point out, you know, and, and hopefully you can make it worth worthwhile. Hopefully you can make it interesting uh, but you don't get that long to expand on it. And then another one happens and you can figure something else out. And sometimes you can break away and, and kind of play, play after play, continue one thought or storyline. But for the most part, you're trying to say something intelligent and something that's <laughs> going to help people understand the game in a, in a, in 12 seconds. Well, and that's uh, probably and, the hardest part for you though, right? Because you're so used to, at least initially, you're so used to looking at that play and being like, okay, look, when they do this, you know, when they're, when they're lining up in this way and you see a one high or a two high, like, you're used to being able to explain that, but over, like you said, 30 minutes, and then you get thrown into the fire and it's like, okay, give me something that I don't know that's interesting in 12 exactly. seconds. And, and do it a hundred and do it 150 times a game. That's the <laughs> thing to me, like the, the times where I've done color, I'm like, I, I have this small window, but I also have to figure out a way to do this that will not be boring the next time you come back to me because I have to always have something. Like when play-by-play guy stops talking, you're on and you yeah. always have to have something. Yeah, you're both right. And Mike, you, I, I mean, think about, you could stop a play and I could, you could address every single, I mean, I could go through every <laughs> single wide receiver's role on that we could talk about you could talk about what happened on the defense secondary the rush I mean you kind of got to pick and choose and hopefully you can in that short time and after only seeing the play once you can hopefully pick out the reason why the play happened the way that it did and so that's kind of the battle and honestly when I when we first started uh our producer one of our producers Dave Cadeau for the Ticats audio network his feedback for me was you got to get out of the way quicker for RJ to set up the next play. Cause like, you're trying to shut up, you know, but you can't do it because, because so that's part of it, man, is just, is just, you know, keeping it being entertaining, trying to, trying to get as much knowledge as you can into the broadcast uh, uh, and, 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 you know, making it concise enough to do it. But, but the, 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 it has been so, so fun. Like I have absolutely loved it. And I've been lucky enough to be in the booth with RJ Broadhead, who has just been just, fantastic man the guy is such a professional he his his feedback for me has been unbelievably excite uh, insightful for in terms of media but he's also just in my mind he's got a great football voice and a football energy he, he brings some excitement uh into the booth uh, it's it's just been an awesome uh first uh, season and a half for me i'm i'm very grateful for the tight to the tight cats and to the guys i'm working with because they've made it very enjoyable and uh, accelerated the learning curve to me just with their experience and feedback 
Yeah. And I mean, you said it perfectly. It's, it's really who's around you. You know what I mean? And what I've yeah. noticed from this Ticats audio network is the people around you are so excited all the time about everything. Right. Yeah. But like, that's, I'm trying to go back to, because when I watch a game now, right now that I'm done playing, I'm not, I'm not evaluating as much as I would be in film or when I was playing and okay, we might have to play these guys in two weeks. So now I'm really going to evaluate. So when you're watching it, like, there's an all-time clip of Cooper cup recently where he's talking about, okay, well the back was set weak. So the linebacker I know was going to shift over there. So really it was a zone, but I knew I had a one-on-one matchup with this guy. So I, I knew if I ran the slant, it hit me right away. I was touchdown. Right. Mm. When people listen to that, they go, what are you talking yeah. about? And the first thing I thought of was that's exactly how Tasker played. But now you have to go and you have to turn that into, Oh yeah. You can see here. He just ran a slant on this guy. Boom. Touchdown. And then RJ has mm. got to go again, but yeah. Like, are you still learning as it's going on? Are you feel like you got into your groove now? Like how, how's that feeling in terms of where you are? That's a great question. And I, and I think actually when you're on the seventh floor perspective for watch, watching a game, as opposed to the sidelines, right. There are some things you see better than when you played, right. For sure. Obviously for you're sure. up at the same level of the coordinators. You're watching the game from the bird's eye view. And so the way that like I'm, I have a much better sense for uh, the defensive schemes that you're going. So when you're, when you're playing in the game, you're on the sidelines. Truth is you're not watching your, or as an offensive player, you're not watching your own defense. You're catching your breath. You're talking with your receivers and your quarterbacks and you're on the, on the phone and you're kind of getting things together. So that's just happening. And when you're on the field as a wide receiver, you're seeing your triangle in front of you, your half of the field. Sometimes if you're right next to the quarterback on whatever formation like that, you know, you're getting a better sense for the, the, the full shell of the defense, but you're really seeing just snips as a player. And, you, you know, mm-hmm. you're seeing that will the will linebacker, the boundary half and the, in the boundary corner and getting a sense for that. And so it's back to our point, man, I'm seeing everything. And I'm like, wow, like, you know, you can really see things develop <laughs> a little bit more and then you can try to pick out kind of what to, what to reference and, and talk about. And, uh, and you can see why coordinators go up there, right? And they call the plays exactly. from up there and stuff. But and and I'm I'm all for watching games up there too. If I'm going to buy a ticket and I'm going with you know to to watch the game and try to understand it, that's where I'm sitting. Those are my those are my spots. Where Even I in go. Buffalo, like yeah. I've done that in Buffalo, where you sit down low and you're like, God, this is violent. But then you sit in like the first <laughs> row of the upper deck, and yeah. you're like, Oh, I can actually see what's happening. You I can, can see what's going it, on, right? Which is kind of funny. I got to ask you real quick here, Luke, that the the I think the weirdest experience I ever had calling Ticats games was a game in BC. Mike Morielli was my color guy. He couldn't make it. He was away doing CEBL things. And so I ended up doing play-by-play and color. For <laughs> Toss and, pass it back and forth yourself. Marsh, what'd you think about I, that? Well, I, I, I don't know, Ferg. Yeah, but, but I like I had to create alter egos. Yeah. But yeah. I felt like I was wandering around the booth for three hours with like a glass of Chardonnay, just being like, oh, look at that. A pass for six. And my, my, they've had their eyes open on that one all day long. Like just like a conversation that was weaving in between commercial breaks. What would that sound like if Luke Tasker was doing play-by-play and color? You know what I would do? I would switch voices. Like I'd put on my RJ Broadhead voice. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Tim Horton's field for where your Hamilton Tiger Cats are. Oh, and I'd be, then I'd be Luke. Oh man. Yeah, like, what a great night for it. You know, RJ. And just keep that up the whole game. Yeah. You know, it's great too. because all, The people that are hammered sitting on their front step, listening to you guys on a, a Tiger Cats game night, they'd yeah. be like, these guys are good. Really good back yeah. and forth. Yeah. Yeah. The they really know crazy. what each other are thinking this entire time. <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh, Marsh, tell me this. One of the one of the exciting things about about the Ticats Audio Network mm-hmm. 
was that it's in-house, right? Yeah. So there is like sort of this, uh, you know, you're, you're calling a game with, with some sense of being partial. And, you know, you point out that with the bad is the bad and you try your best to point that out, but no one's going to listen to this and, and think that it's entirely neutral. I mean, we are the Ticats audio yep. network, but that's all I know in my broadcasting experience. You've, you've gone, you've been working for multiple uh, uh, broadcasts and all this. It, it, how different is that when you have to be truly, you know, yeah, neutral? It's a great question. I think the thing for me that, uh made it a really easy transition was that I told Mike this I'm like I never gave a shit whether you guys won or lost I did yeah. not care I cheer for people and I cheer for stories mm -hmm. like that's what it comes down to for me and it's always been that way for me and so like yeah your your games are more entertaining if you are winning or if you're losing very badly so you have things to talk about on radio throughout the week the thing you don't want is for games to just be bland Mm. where it's like nothing happens nobody's entertaining there's nothing to talk about and you didn't win it's like what the hell do we do with this yeah. i think for me because it's always been about stories and players and cheering for them uh you know when i was calling Ticats games luke i every time they scored i wanted a tagline so i would yell touchdown tiger town mm. and it was for me it was this idea that like when hamilton when you guys score a touchdown and the scoreboard lights up and the fireworks go off it's like the whole damn town is like oh shit touchdown Ticats. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, the whole town celebrates when Hamilton scores a touchdown. I yeah. did that because I wanted to ingratiate myself to the Hamilton listener where I'm like, hey, right. I'm, I'm here calling your games, your team scored, this is your city, we're the home of your broadcast. But then when I go and do national television now, I just love offense. Like I just I, like <laughs> as everybody but, does, but, yeah, guys. But, but like, but Mike, you God. remember? You remember at McMaster? <laughs> you remember at McMaster when the basketball Final Four came in like 2010? I want to say it was or 11, and we all put on old basketball jerseys, bunch of the Mac football boys, and we we had recruits in, and we were like drinking and having a hell of a time, and then we went down to the gym, and we all decided. We're just cheering for offense because it was like Lakehead was playing Carlton. We're like, well, we don't care who wins. So it would be like 30, 30 guys would stand up and cheer when there was a dunk. They'd go the other way and transition, shoot a three, hit it. We'd all stand up and cheer for that as well. It's like <laughs> the only thing that mattered was offense. And that's kind of how I feel philosophically now in the booth is like, I just get excited about big yeah. plays and big moments and big hits and storylines and, and being able to make people have fun watching the broadcast. So it's really Good. never affected me, but it is funny because when I call it an Argos game, I get people who are like, man, this guy hates Toronto. I'm like, I have nothing against any team. any. <laughs> I do not hold anybody back in any way, shape, or form. But it gets viewed as, well, you were the Hamilton radio guy, yeah. which is just people not understanding the dynamic. I got, the, uh, uh, I got a little constructive criticism from Peter that he's like, hey, I noticed, listen, I know you use a lot of we with the Hamilton tie cats. He's like, you yes. just got to make sure that you it's don't hard, use too much. We I'm like, yeah, I, I understand we're tie cats audio network thought we were all a team. He's like, yeah, just stay away from that. It's tough. And I was yeah. like, yeah, well, those guys sense. come from the world of professional broadcast. It's right. so unusual <laughs> for them. Right. To be like yeah, in yeah. house with somebody. We do the coach. I do the coach O show every week with, with coach Orlando Steiner. It's so funny, dude. He called me so bad on it. I'm like, I was talking like, like the turnover ratio, the turnover ratio, like we're like, we've got to turn the ball over less. We've got to turn the ball over less. <laughs> and coach is like, well, there's also a defensive aspect to the turnover ratio. Like we could just take it away more. Also, I just want to keep you tuned into that point. I was like, wow, I never once thought about that. Like turnover, like turnovers entirely. Well, bad you just in my think, mind, you, you know? think about what's on your side, right? Cause I yeah. found myself watching and they gave me access to the film, which is awesome. Right. So I can go good. back and watch it. And, 
And the only thing I think about is, okay, how can the defense do better? How can the defense win games? Right. Because that's just, that's what we're used to. Right. It's like, well, whatever the offense does, doesn't matter what the defense does. That's what matters. We can win the game. But, But, but I would say Mike, that like, as somebody who is around the CFL and TSN people, that's why we need talented defensive broadcasters because we always want to put Luke Tasker and Andy Fantuz and, um, you know, who's Zach Kalaros and Bo Levi Mitchell's with CFL and TSN during the playoffs and all these. And it's like, you can put as many offensive skill guys as you want out there, but then you're really limiting what your analysis can be. And that's why right. I, that's why I think Davis has hit a home run on our panel yeah. is because Milton Dunnigan will be going back and forth on something that's like the receiver. Oh no, you should have turned this way. And Davis will just dive in and be like, no man, that DB jumped it. Cause he, he read the posture of him coming out of his break. And yeah, you're like completely oh. bailed out of his coverage, but made it, a good play. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. He's seen the game a totally different way. Mm-hmm. So I actually think it's really important for places like the Ticats Audio Network and the CFL and TSN. You have to invest in developing talent that is from really all three sides of the ball as well. Because we saw in the States, you know this, Luke, with CBS, like what Jay Feely was doing for the special teams game for a long time. That was really yeah. unique having him on the field being like, I don't know, guys, 37 yards away, left hash, warm up. He was th- like, any of us can do that. But he's living it, and he would give yeah, unique but perspective. Yeah, a kicker, though. You I know. know. He could have really put somebody else <laughs> well, in there. But yeah, but you Next wanna... step is long snapper. You know, he's really yeah. – he's really messed with his <laughs> I don't know, man. Aaron Crawford has a future in this business. I think he could oh, be boy. out there doing it. But yeah, uh, but yeah I think Crawford it's important, it's important to, to – <laughs> I think it's important to develop kind of all angles of the game because fans, as much as they want to hear about offense, they need to understand the bigger picture. And that's why I think we need guys like you to be honest. Dude, you speaking of speaking of the three phases, developing that in sort of the media, you know what one of my the things I can't stand in uh, in our broadcasts, the commercial breaks happen after kicking after you punt the ball. Yeah. Mike, tell me how you this was this was a huge part of your career for the Thai Cats, making impact on in the kicking game. The, when I'm I've been so tuned in to field position and especially how, how impactful the punning game is to the out, to the, to the score, to the outcome of games from the broadcast, but we'll, you'll get, somebody will fight to cap, to regain the edge on a coverage unit. And that turns the receiver back in or the return man back inside. And it's like, and I'm like getting ready to to point that out and talk about how, and then commercial break. And we (laughs) never go back to the, to the punt game. Cause it's so huge. It, yeah. It, the CFL, Even on the broadcast, so man, when you're watching the game, it's nobody says anything. I, I know you got to You got to get the sponsors in the, the punting team, <laughs> the punt unit and the, and the playmakers out there don't get their share of airtime because we don't have the time to Here, talk about those plays after they happen. Here's the, the truth. And I guarantee at some point that Steve Tasker has given this knowledge to you. <laughs> <laughs> but here's here's the truth that I was taught when we were doing radio. Okay, so we're doing the morning show, and my boss Mike Neighbors, who is I'm so glad he has a neighbors cam on the jumbotron now. It makes me the happiest thing alive when they cut to it in <laughs> Hamilton. It's just a yeah. shot of him screaming, "We need more cowbell." Uh, but the reason that I thank him for this message was I wasn't hitting my brakes on time because we'd get into these amazing conversations and we talk and talk and talk and talk. We're supposed to go to break at uh, 49 and we go to break at 51. And then we're supposed to go to break at 58 and we go at like 03. And then it was just like the clock would constantly be getting bumped and bumped and bumped and the ads would get pushed. And then neighbors one day came to me, goes, I need to see him. Okay, go. He explains the problem to me. He goes, we can't take the breaks, the, the, those breaks late. And I said, why? He goes, you exist to entertain people between the commercials. Your job is to keep them 
with us from the end of the last commercial until the start <laughs> of the next commercial because we get paid based on our ability to maintain a listening audience so they are listening to our ads so that we all make money and can have a life. There's so that perspective, right? Ah, so nobody cares what I'm saying. <laughs> it's a, it literally, I'm sitting there. I'm just like, but I had a great analysis piece on why the kicking game yeah. is doing It's like, yeah, yeah, man, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Also, do it and get to break on time. And it's it was the hard reality <laughs> of the broadcasting world where it was like, this is a business. And this exists for us to maintain people so we can get them to the next break. It's sad, but that's what yeah. it is. Well, that's where all the money comes from, too. But Task, I do want to get your take. So now that you've taken a step back, you got the Coach O show, but you've taken a step back from just the only offense thing. What when you're in a situation where the Tie Cats are in right now, right? Mm. What what is going on in your mind? You know, I asked Courtney this too on, on the game day stuff, and I, we've been in this situation before. But yep. I mean, it, it feels a little different, right? Like the games are close; they're all yeah. close, and like so. You know what? What's going on? What do you see as the issue with with the tie cats right now? Because yeah, I mean, you see it day in day out, and it's different in a in a good way. I would say this year compared to when our experience in two thousand seventeen. Um, um, boy, like the changes, it's just it's tangible. It's right there in front of you. What needs to change? Any of those games with half with if you if you not zero turnovers, you're not asking for perfection in that category. No, no team's going to turn the ball over zero times in a season. With if you cut them in half, yeah, a lot. You know, you're two and two right now, at the at the least, right? And, and so first that, in the East, right? Exactly. Like that's the crazy part about it. Exactly. And, and so, you know, that's that's a very. It's it's a, you know, it's it's an answer you don't have to keep searching for. You know, that's that's right. it. That's it. Figure that out and fix that problem. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the, the run game, and that is a little bit more uh, nuanced to me. And, you know, Marsh, you and I are so offensive minded. Mm-hmm. Let's take it one step further. I just wish that there was no run game and it was just all passing. Too. <laughs> like I'm very passing minded as well. Yeah. Uh, but but it's a, it's just it, it's so helpful for wide receivers and for offensive linemen when you do have a run game established and when that's a threat and when you can get four and a half to five and a half yards. Uh, on average on the ground. Um, and the Ticats have, have struggled with that, obviously. Um, I, that, that's got to continue to increase, but I think that it will as their offensive line continues to just solidify and, and, and hopefully, hopefully continues. I mean, you never know what future mm-hmm. adversity is going to come into play as well. They've already had their fair share there. Um, but I, 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 don't, I, I do expect that Dane figures out that the answer to, to the, the, the turnover issue that he specifically has been having some of that, the fumbles are a little bit bizarre, you know, that's a yeah. little bit, it's almost like, well, we could, we could talk about, about schematically changes that could be made, but it's an iron cross and you've got to just mentally lock that in and not let it be an option to do otherwise. Um, some of that stuff is going to get fixed, but Mike, we had a, we had some really, really great locker rooms. And then in some of those years, you know, you have times where, you know, there, there's, there doesn't really seem to be a sense of hope, you know, and, and if that togetherness sort of falls apart, that gets really, really difficult to go through a season the right way. Yeah. Um, each player in, in a moment like this has to look at themselves and say, how can I be a net positive on this locker room and not a net negative? And, you know, and, and you got, and your play is part of that. It's not just the intangibles. It's, it's everything. It's the on-field play. 
then it's who you are in inside the building, inside the walls where nobody else knows about. And those two combined, that what everyone sees on the field, what, what nobody sees in the locker room, you got to be a net a net positive on the on the team and on the on the franchise. Uh, and 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 guys have to each have to ask themselves that what what's next for me to continue to be a positive for this team and not be uh, a negative. But from and it's from, it's easy to get in that world, right? Like when yeah. you're losing these type of games, like that's where you really see the character come out. I mean, because you know we've had teammates that when this is happening, they're just the same old person, happy. Okay. Let's get back at it. But then we've also had some teammates where this stuff starts happening and it's, you know, Oh, well it's because of this. And because, you know, play call here and because this guy's not trying hard. And when that creeps in and no one corrects that, then it's an issue, right? Because right now, when, when you're talking about two point losses, everybody looks at themselves and it's one of those questions, you know, and Rem Reimble would say it all the time. Oh, would say it all the time. It's where can we find that two points? Yeah. Where can we find that three points and slight edges? Yeah. You look at a game and you're talking about two, three, four points. We talk about field position, anything like it could be anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where, that's where it's like, okay, well we're there. We just got to get it. You know what I mean? I think, I think it's their. I think the Tigers are fourteen and five at their last nineteen home games, and all five of those losses have been four points or less. That's crazy. Yeah, because that would be Montreal, Toronto last year, and then the two games this year would be four of those five. So crazy. Yeah, Yeah, it's wild. I have I have a question for you, Luke. That like you understand the passing attack of Tommy Condell, all like dating all the way back to like. Your, your days that we were joking about being an all Canadian. And, uh, and so now I'm <laughs> Ivy league, all Canadian. That's going to be the name of this podcast is Luke Tasker on being an Ivy league, all Canadian. But I like when I watch Dane, and this is one of those great examples where you're talking about of people being like, Hey, are you a Hamilton Homer? Because you still live in Hamilton and you call CFL games. I have so much compassion and empathy for what Dane is going through right now. And I've never seen a quarterback have as bad a luck as he has had on these turnovers. And there's so much, like I tweeted this out at the end of the Edmonton game last Friday night, where I said, like, I can't believe the run of bad luck that he's had. Sean Thomas Erlington against Calgary, that ball is essentially placed inside his frame. He boxed him up and it just like turned him, bounced up in the air, got intercepted, game's over, right? He has two against uh, I believe Edmonton when Dunbar is basically catching like a slant or a little skinny on the outside and defender gets in and blows the ball up and punches it backwards. Same thing on the Willie Jefferson pick six. Like it's, yep. and you can just see the look on Dane's face is not, Oh my God, I've misread Like when McLeod Bethel Thompson throws that pick six on Monday night in the first quarter, he turns around and he goes, damn, because he knows mm-hmm. he misread it. He missed through it. Dane isn't going, damn. He's just looking around going, are you kidding? Yeah. You see like the, like, like, and it's yeah. just him saying like, why? Why is this happening? Why is this happening this often? And also the idea that he's got going into this week because they hadn't had the bye week yet, 152 passing attempts. The next closest player was 111 passing attempts. So like, and they were behind. And in that one game, he had like 48, 50 attempts. So he's throwing the ball a lot more. So it seems worse than it is because he's throwing it more and he's throwing more interceptions, but his interception percentage is actually below Nick Arbuckle. It's below Vernon Adams Jr. Like, Mm. so it's not as bad. And he's had this run of terrible luck, but I just like, you talk about correcting and getting these things figured out. And I get it, Tasker, you're all coach speaking, but (laughs) the idea of being able to fix bad luck 
Like if you're Dane and you're going and watching film, where are you actually finding the faults? Because you're not putting the ball in bad or dangerous locations. Or Tommy, both of them. Yeah. So it does go to the wide receivers on on a lot of those. I can think of four right now of the interceptions this season that really you could, you could argue should have been tie cat, not, not just incompletions receptions. Right. Right. So there's that on the wide receiver standpoint. Dane made one bad one in the red zone against Calgary. Yeah, he tried to like say back shoulder, straight, back yeah. shoulder a seam or something, and it was like the DB was standing right there. Exactly, that was one of those ones that you're talking about, like this the classic that uh, poor decision. Mm-hmm. But you're right. The, it, I've used the word quirky for all of it for this year's turnovers. They're just they're just strange ones. But you can't you got to fix even the weird ones too. You got to find mm-hmm. the way just to get to get rid of those as well. It really is. It really is. And this is an interesting problem that you don't really expect. I'd say you put more of the fumbles in, in Dane's basket to say over this bye week, visualize this not happening. Get this, get this one right. Iron cross, iron cross until the gray cup and the, and then the, the interceptions, boy, it's a, it, there's a lot of moving pieces out there. And I do not know. I, I agree. You cannot put that squarely on Dane's shoulders. Mike, do you, I'll ask you this question because you've watched it all closely as well. Do you have any problem? Because in the fumble against Edmonton was just like the absolute killer, right? There's two minutes left. And I literally was watching at home with my nephews and my dad. And I saw the fumble come out and I said, and that's the ball game. And they're like, ah, there's lots of time. I'm like, no, that's the death knell because that's just an emotional murder. And when I went back and I reviewed it, I'm like, okay, where, if I were analyzing the Ticats on radio, what would I say here? And I was like, the only thing I can jump on is, Ball security hasn't been great. Obviously, in the Saskatchewan game, he was waving it around a little bit. And so I'm like, he's got to take better care of the football and keep it tighter in. I'm like, if a guy is struggling with ball security, the only thing of actual analysis that I could find to criticize would be, why are we calling quarterback run with Poppy White, one of your smaller slot backs, leading you through the hole from your own 15-yard line? That was the only thing. But then, even then, and this is always an important part of analysis that I've learned, is am I just playing the result? Because if Poppy White does a good job there, if Dane holds onto the ball, goes down, the clock starts running, they're killing time. It's like, if all of that happens, then I don't have any criticism to give. So I'll ask you, Mike, like, is it the play call that Ticats fans should be frustrated by backed up like that? Or is it just, we're playing the result because the ball happened to pop out because football's a crazy game and the ball is shaped weird? Well, you look at the quarterback runs were working for him, yeah. right? Like that's that's the one run play that was getting them some positive yards. Like West Hills ended up getting a couple, but and you know I I do want to push this to task a little bit because he has worked with with Tommy. But what I see as it is, you know, you got to be able to use all of those guys for all different situations, right? Because if you're going to put in a fullback every single time you want to run that, well, then guess what? It's going to be as easy as possible for the defense to be like, ah, you know what? Fullbacks in here, expect this QB run. You need to be able to do all of those different plays with different personnel groups because you think Poppy might get the handoff. You think Poppy might run a screen and then all of a sudden he's lead blocking for a quarter and you're like, oh my gosh, like what's going on here, right? So I think you need to do that from a personnel group. But Task, you've been with Tommy long enough and Tommy's getting some flack for this stuff too, right? As he would because it's just the offense and that's what people are seeing and that's the only thing people can put their finger on, but it's everything all together. But Tommy's getting some slack for this. And, and I mean, you see, you've seen him adjust and and do the adjustments. And when you start talking about third, fourth quarter collapses, like that's where it goes is, well, what, well, what's Tommy doing in the, in the halftime? What's Tommy doing talking to these guys? What's his play calls? Like, does he, does it change that much as a game plan? Like, how's that look? 
I actually think that probably most onlookers overestimate the amount of changes that are made on, at the halftime of a game. And I can't speak de- defensively, but there's no overhauling of a game plan at halftime. It just is. It's just not what's what's happening. What no, often... we have we have our game plan. We have the counter punch, and then if everything's wrong, all going wrong, we're playing a zone that we all know. That's there you go. that's the difference. Yeah, for for offense, I mean, you can boil. So I remember games where we kind of boiled it down a little bit at halftime and simplified a little bit, you know. And we kind of said, look, like we're we're kind of getting rid of some of the peripheral, you know, uh, uh, portions of our of our call sheet here. Like we're gonna we're gonna do what we know we can do, and we're gonna yeah. win on five yard Oscar routes, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna get curls oh, and roads. And there you go. Yeah. The the uh, I, I I think sometimes fans are like, oh you know, let's see what they come out with in the second half. Like, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to do. It's hard to do that and probably not very productive to make sweeping changes. I will say, I specifically remember times where coming into halftime, we as a receiver group knew that we were getting coverages that we were looking for, for a set play, like for a set, you know, kind of specialty play. And we would alert quarterbacks and and uh coordinators that saying it's time for whatever the post yeah. bend or something to that effect some kind of deep specialty route uh times where times we would come in and 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 what tommy would do is alert us to say hey if we get back into this field position and this down and distance i'm running this play so be ready for that yeah yeah and, get your and mind wrapped around it exactly say i'm com- if we get into a second and medium and we are and we're just outside of the score zone we're on their 30 yard line i'm coming to you with this play so know that and i remember times it's a great feeling when that ha- when that ends up happening and you're out there in the early fourth quarter and you know that and you know that he said that and you get in there and solely calls that play and you're yeah. like wow oh he, here we he, go he knew it he remembered yeah. <laughs> he remembered yeah. me. and you know and, and it <laughs> happens and that's a great that's a great uh, you know, just a momentum builder as well too, for a, for an offensive unit, but they're, they're not going in and making sweeping changes at halftime. It's just not, it's just not the way that it's done. It's not, you can't, you can't do that productively. You've already put in, you know, 40 hours in, in the week, you know, together getting ready for a game plan. Um, and that's I, part of the thing that's on the players, right? Like we talk about it's belief, it's belief in the play call, it's belief in the people around you. Right. Because that's the biggest thing for you to be able to sit there and go, you know what? I do believe this play is going to work. Yeah. And so we're going to all run it and everybody believes it's going to work because we talked about it and boom, first down. Perfect. Now we're still marching on. You know yeah. what I mean? And Mike, one thing that I want to go back to about just what do you do here at 0 and 4? How true is it that once, once you start in the locker room, believing that it can't be done or believing that you're a bad football team or believing that you're not the guy who should be in this position. If that, if that thought becomes cemented in a player's mind, it is done. Oh, it, it's, it's done. Yeah. You're at your best only when you know that you, when you, when you're, when you are where you, where you're supposed to be. And I'm talking in a, you know, mental, emotional sense of the game, you know, the, the it, it does not. And that's why, that's what gives me hope right now about this Owen four compared to Owen four 2017 is that this, this, this is so much closer. It, it, it's so much, it's, it's, it's almost more frustrating because the answer is obvious there are little things that you need to do. It's not like a bad football team out there just trying to find their way to the 50 yard line. Like it's, it's, it's obvious. You got to, you got to stop turning the ball over. You got to make the plays that are there for you. And, 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 and in doing that, you're, you're, you're all the way there already Mm -hmm. into turning this thing around. Well, listen, task. We'll end on that. I really appreciate you coming. This was awesome. We'll get you back out, but 
good luck the rest of the season. Good stuff, boys. Let's do it again.